Hey everybody, welcome to Hobbs and Friends. I am your host, Jason Hobbs, and I know it's been a while, but we are back in the mics today and we have a very special guest. He is the man behind Appendix N Entertainment, and he also is, uh, I don't know, the guy, the big guy, the big boss at UConn, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, here you go, Ryan Thompson. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, I'm doing all right. I, I, I am far from the big boss at UConn. Oh, okay. I, uh, All right. I run the OSR track at UConn. Oh, that's uh, right. I yeah. actually knew that, and I yep. forgot, man. Yep. All right. I'm not the big boss. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if we should do the deja vu joke. I think that you already vu. started it. <laughs> <laughs> For those uh, of you that have been following at home on Facebook, we've been having a lot of technical difficulties. <laughs> we have been having some technical difficulties. But we're here, and we're going to get this thing done so I guess we'll start. What So far on Appendix N Entertainment, let's talk about maybe what you have done. I think for me, I, I've definitely recognized Hidden Hand, Hidden Hand of the Horla, but do you want to talk about any of these products at all or um, anything? But Hidden Hand of the Horla was the first thing that we put out in 2008. It was originally actually written for OD&D, and I was spinning off my own OD&D clone at the time. And then like a... Something like a, a year or so after I put that out, I was I was putting out my first Kickstarter, and Gavin kickstarted OSC about the same time, and I started getting a hold of it, going, Ooh, I, I already liked BX Essentials, and mm-hmm. OSC looked that much better and more promising, and he dropped one of the things that I really appreciated about when I used to work with the, the guys who work on Swords and Wizardry, the option to have ascending and descending armor class because both of those things have tend to be hang-ups for people sometimes and i i, I find that i get i have a lot better uh chance of recruiting people that only have played newer editions of D to old school games if they've got the option to have ascending ac in there someplace right so oh, yeah but, that turned me on, and then, you know, midway through that Kickstarter, he dropped that he was going to be doing options of having advanced classes in BX, and that just kind of did it for me, because that was a whole lot of the stuff that I was doing with my own od d clone was already going to be built into this BX clone, going, well, I might just well just put my stuff out for this, because this looks great, and the layout looks fantastic, and... Yeah, I need to redo everything that I was thinking about my products now. Yeah, I mean, if if everyone stopped working on their own little heartbreaker, I mean, they'd have a lot more, I don't know, bandwidth to work on other projects, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. The, so the hidden, the hidden hand of the Horla wasn't that one of Dyson's like hand. Yep. Things yep. or something. Uh, the yeah. the three adventure modules I have out so far have all used various Dyson maps because they just oh, cool. kind of inspired me. So I stole them for my own purposes. Right? They're all his commercially uh, usable stuff to this yep. point. So, but all of them were his things, and I got inspired to use them. That one was very inspiring because it was the weird hand tower, and it fit mm-hmm. with an idea I already had. So I ran with it. We, we're currently probably halfway sold out with the fourth printing that we just did of that last fall it's gone it's gone through four printings each one's been a little bit different with new things added to it the first one was was ose not ose uh odnd odnd and it was all just public domain and stock art and then you know when i when i brought it to 
OSC, I, I had, you know, my own art made for it, which like I feel like everybody who's been in any of the OSC groups out there on the internet is extremely familiar with the with the goats pointing at the hand cover because I have spammed that to mm-hmm. you know to death on there done by done by a good friend of mine Stacy Joy who just does great great artwork um, you can get it on a shirt there you go if anybody ever wanted it on a shirt get it on a That's shirt exciting. appendix end store <laughs> so yeah uh, if you so uh, oh it, sorry go ahead it's gone through four printings I most positive we're going to sell out of this one before the end of the year next year just to throw something out there that's not the product we're talking about tonight with all of these vinyl album things going around for mark borg and and a few other things that i've seen the various vinyl album modules that are out there now for the fifth anniversary of hidden hand I'm probably going to run a Kickstarter. In fact, I've already found musicians that are interested locally here in Michigan that want to do a, that we're, we're going to do a dungeon synth album to go along with it. Oh, that's cool. That, that's the plan for, and probably do some special edition, maybe with, maybe with, you know, a variant cover that's going to be sort of a, it's too small to be leatherette, but at least, you know, screen printed in in foil on something right so yeah it's going to be a, a special edition as opposed to the the versions that have been out there recently so awesome that, man that's the plans with that because it's it's popular enough that i've sold out of you know three printings and going into four now which is kind of exciting being really small out there you know so yeah i mean well it got it got she's reviewed by bryce right so it must have had some kind of something right? oh it got it got fried by bryce <laughs> bryce hates my stuff man everything that bryce has reviewed of mine has just gotten skewered but i feel oh, i think well. that's more than half of everything bryce reviews Inter- anyway yeah, for sure and, and bryce's crap reviews of my stuff have gotten me more sales of my stuff so right in fact exactly. one, of the, one of the only reviews on drive through of hidden hand it says that he went there because of Bryce. He doesn't name Bryce by name or 10-foot pole. This is, I came here because of, of a reviewer that, <laughs> that, that just skewered this thing and said it's horrible, and it's actually really, really good. <laughs> so Yeah, I don't necessarily yeah. follow what he does. But anything that gets on there is going to get some sort of uh, press. So it's good. It's good if he does. I mean, that means that someone was talking about it, and it got big enough for him to see it. So that's cool. All right, so I always talk about how we know each other. I know that you just mentioned that we had met each other at GaryCon, but I think I knew you from G Plus quite a while. We, we, we did, we did. We we personally met in person at GaryCon, but yeah, we we knew each other back in the G Plus. I miss G Plus, man. <laughs> I see a lot of people talking about G Plus. I also see yeah. the newer guys saying, "What's G Plus?" Yeah, Isn't and I funny? mean, you have to be you have to be really newer to not know what G Plus is. I mean, that's. Wow. Three it only years. went out a few years ago. Yeah, but I mean that's a long time, really. Gaming, hey man, wise. stuff that came out in two thousand five. I'm still calling new stuff. So yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, well, everything like is relative, years, I guess. Yeah, three years is feels like nothing to me. You know, <laughs> I hear you. All right, man. So why don't we talk about what we do? Or we're doing gaming wise. Do you want to go, or you want me to? You go ahead first. All right. So anybody who. Uh, actually talks to me or pays attention to the gamerhood and not only listen to Hobbs and Friends podcast knows that I started a new business and my 
schedule is crazy. So I don't do, uh, I haven't been streaming as many games. I haven't been running as many games, but I've been trying to play some games. So I've been playing OSE with Zach Pierce in the setting from Trollord Games aired, which is pretty interesting. And I recently just came returned to a second edition D&D game called Night Below on Dungeon Musers. Last, I'm trying to figure out a way to run more games. And since scheduling is so difficult, I've set up a, or I'm setting up a new hex crawly, urban crawl type of game that can be played with one to six players, and it's going to be a super fast pickup game. So if you possibly want to be in on uh, one of the possible players in that game, get in touch with me, get on the Discord, and I'm calling it for a few players. And that's about it, man. (laughs) Do you have any comments on any of that, or you want to just go ahead? You're playing Night Below. That's, That's pretty sweet, actually. I've never played it, never run it. I finally own it, and I, I it's been within like the last two years that I got mm. it. I can't actually recall if I got it when we were in lockdown here in Michigan. Mm. With I feel like maybe I did because it usually goes for you know if you get a physical copy, it usually goes for a fair price. Mm-hmm. Um, a physical box, uh, I think you can buy it as a hardback or something on drive through now. Yeah. But you know, I wanted the real thing, the way it was presented with all the maps and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I got it with some of our you know government money that we got when we were going through everything but but i don't know that for sure but that's that's awesome that you're actually able to play something that's that because i feel like for the later end of the tsr that's kind of a legacy product you know it seems like it i mean i don't even know how many sessions we're on maybe 250 or something and this is a streamed game i haven't played in all of them it's kind of a it's not really drop in drop out specifically but I can tell you there's been a lot of sessions and I don't know, I'm like, I'm playing a seventh level elf elementalist or something like that. I, I started level one. Yeah. And it's a second edition game. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, you've been playing for a while. <laughs> yeah. It's been going on for a while. And I mean, once seventh in a while level, it switches man. out into like, he calls them like uh, war stories or something. Like I think last night he converted stuff to like a star Wars 2d 20 based on, one of Modiphius's games or something and ran something for May the 4th using kind nice. of the same characters, but Star Wars-y. Nice. Uh, we've done it like with Pathfinder 2 and just a few different things. Like I say, I haven't played in every session, but yeah. Anyhow, what about you? Oh, I have not had a ton of gaming lately. The last time that I've played anything D&D based, we were starting a once a month Saturday game at a friend of mine's house who few of us met up we didn't meet up. There was a funeral in the fall, and there were a bunch of us who have done all kinds of other stuff together, right? And we're all gamers, and have all had our respective gaming groups. We've all known each other for like 24 years, but none of the people in this group ever played together, right? Wow. And we were at this funeral for a friend who passed, and uh, we're sitting there going, how the, we, we were all talking about gaming. It's like, how have we never all played D&D together? We've all talked about D&D at social functions and whatnot. It was like, how have we never done this? So we, we decided to get together and start doing it. We had two sessions, and then somebody's work schedule kind of flipped, and then somebody went out of the group, and it's like, well, now there's only two players for a while, so we got to figure this out. Plus, I'm, I'm a single father, and... My kid's a teenager now, but still I try to do some things mm-hmm. with her on the weekends that she's 
at my house, you know, so it was kind of like a, let's do once a month on a Saturday that we can all get together. And, you know, with adult life and everything, that's difficult to get people all together, especially when you're trying to do once a month Saturday, you want it to be a longer session, right? Because it's only once a month. So that was the whole plan was we're going to do this and we're going to play like from six to eight hours like we could when we were younger because it's a Saturday (laughs) and what's going to stop us? And then, you know... (laughs) Well, yeah, life, right? Schedules, yeah, um, adulting. Yeah, you know, I've we've got a bi-weekly, and I'm doing air quotes for those that are listening to the recording, right? Big eyes, small mouth campaign with our our Friday group. We we alternate campaigns between my friend John and I. He'll run a game for a while, and I'll run a game for a while, and we do it as a bi-weekly thing. He's been running this anime game, Big Eyes, Small Mouth, for a while, but we've kind of had that on hiatus for a little bit over a month now. We have gotten together the people that have been able to get together in that time and played some board games, but no no role-playing in, in over a month for me. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lied. Because there was a bachelor party a week and a half ago that I went to a brewery and ran a one-off, uh, a one-off for a guy's bachelor party a couple weeks ago. But that's about the only D&D I've gotten in is that one-off, right? I ran OSC and I ran Tom Wilson of Three Games, Cryptid, mm-hmm. the, uh, Cryptid the Dog Witch. So that was fun. And uh, is that in his back to basics thing, or what is that? What is no, that that's in? that's one of his that's one of his independent games. He released he released it. I think it came out as a physical product either at at Gamehole or uh, or NTRPG. I, I don't remember. It, it was either at North Texas or Gamehole. He put out a limited edition printing where there were only like fifty of them available. There, you can download it through his store on drive through though i downloaded it and just printed off my copy right because for a while i was printing all my own zines that i was making anyway so all his stuff is actually formatted to be zine size anyway Mm -hmm. so it worked out maybe not all of his stuff but most of his adventures are right so print that off and ran it there It, it was fun it was definitely fun. It's supposed to be the first in a five part series, but I don't think any of the rest of the series has been done yet. Wow. So yeah, ran that. And like I said, not a whole lot of role playing going on. This week I've got something that's almost LARPish that I'm going to kind of sorta. It's not really gaming at all, but up here in Detroit, there's a gallery that every year around May the 4th has these people that do this crazy cosplay stuff where it's all really, really good looking stuff, turn their entire gallery into the Katina at Moss Eisley. And it nice. looks legit when you are in there. <laughs> you feel like you're there. And they have bands and a Star Wars-themed burlesque show and all kinds of stuff going on all night for, like, four nights, right? It starts mm-hmm. on May the 4th and goes this year. Last night's going to be Saturday. I'm going Saturday. I've got a whole get-up put together because they require you to be in costume. It's like a Ren fair for Star Wars fans, right? Nice. So In a bar, though. In a bar, yeah. So I've got a whole nice. get-up planned, and I'm going to drink with people dressed in cool shit. For those that actually are tuned in watching, I freaking had a blaster made. Cool. You can't really tell the color on this thing, but it's it's sweet. It's going to be a heavy blaster? Some, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's going dis- to be on display in the game room after this all, right? So, And then if I go next year, I'll, I'll carry it again next year. There you go. You know. 
But yeah, that's that's the closest thing in like the past two weeks that I've got to gaming is this thing on Saturday, which is just going to be me drinking in a bar, you know, dressed in some Star Wars shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be All fun, right. right? I've seen pictures of it, uh, from it sounds the place, like a blast. And, and it I sounds, mean, these guys have a have a speeder, have like a land speeder that they built. That's going to be there. I've, I've seen pictures of the land speeder. I'm like, oh, they built a full size land speeder. That's crazy, right? <laughs> hey, man. I so. Mean- yeah. We're you're you're running D and D at a bachelor party, so who knows? Yeah. The future yep. is just a crazy place. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. So let's do a quick everything about you uh, segment of the show where we try and learn something about me and the guests that the listeners may not know. I don't know if I ran out of stuff about me because this looks pretty lame. Like I mentioned, I started a new business. I've been doing more random screening because I'm trying to get some more content out there. Random screed is my personal journey anchor podcast where I complain about stuff mostly and yeah we're doing another episode of Hobbs and friends and i'm hoping to uh, get back to every other week schedule what about you ryan you got anything other than uh that you're a star wars larper (laughs) (laughs) not a star wars larper but i guess maybe i am now i don't know but no local friends will know but nobody i don't think that there's anybody in the gaming community that knows this about me you know like 15, 16 years ago, there was there was uh, this local bar I used to hang out with and do promotions for on MySpace. Remember MySpace? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back then, right? And while I was there, I started writing on my MySpace blog. There was this, uh, I wrote this weird, it was like, like steampunk in the world of fairy tales. If fairy tales moved into the Victorian era and became steampunk, right? But all the main characters in it were people that were friends of mine or people from the bar. And the actual stories, I wrote it episodically, like when I would get home from the bar half drunk at night, right? Mm. Or the next day or whatever. And the stories were these stories about the characters, but everything was loosely based on the drama going on with the bar crowd, right? <laughs> okay. So, and it was called The Life and Times of Dr. Ar- Dr. Arthur McGillicuddy, right? It, it actually had a big following on MySpace. I had something like, a thousand people that tuned, came in to read the damn thing every time that I did it. it was and that's a, a big following for MySpace. Yeah, it was a thing for a while because the there were people, you know, outside of my area. Like everybody in the bar that I knew was reading it. And then there were other people in like the art, the art community around here who knew people that were in the story. So they started reading it. We actually wrote, would go around to different dive bars around here. And I would write little segments that were like, I don't know weird little things that were in between episodes that if you wanted the whole story, you'd have to go to these bars or find somebody that would take a picture of what was on the bathroom wall. (laughs) Cool, man. That sounds fun. It it was a weird thing. And I mean, Stacy Joy, who does a lot of my cover art, was drawing her character and other characters and posting them on her MySpace. It uh, It was a time. And we had like our whole little group was involved. My friend Mike wrote a prequel story about his the character that was based off him it was a it was a thing right (laughs) (laughs) all right people there you go i Uh, i I may have to put that all up someplace again and see how utterly ridiculous and terrible it actually is because you know in my mind it was great because i had like a thousand followers reading this thing on myspace right but that's impressive yeah so uh, nice man all right cool so let's get to the main topic so 
we know, or maybe not everybody knows, but I know that you're, you have a new Kickstarter called the Creature Collection. But the way that this started was, was you being inspired by specific art from Evelyn M, right? Yep. Yeah. Evelyn, I'm a, back of, I'm a backer of her Patreon, and she puts out very regularly just stuff that she sketches while she's trying to get into the swing of, you know, getting to her Warm-up commissions sketches, and whatnot. right? Yeah. What's that? Like warm-up yeah. sketches. Yeah, some of our warm-ups, some of them are things that actually come out, you know, better than warm-up sketches mm-hmm. that she just doesn't have commissions for. And she puts it out there and says, patrons can use this, you know, for their works. It's similar to how, you know, Dyson does his commercial maps and whatnot, you know. So it's stock art that we get for being patrons. And some of it really, I was looking at some of them going, man, that's a really cool looking thing. I, I, I want to stat this thing. Oh, I want to stat this thing. I want to stat this thing too. And so, you know, I started thinking about doing that. I'm going, yeah, I've got enough that I could put together a zine that's just the that's just like 24 of these. I could do more than 24 of these. I could probably do most of these things, you know, and and be inspired and do it. And you know, I was thinking, like, I know she gets money from the Patreon. But I'm thinking for the amount of stuff that she's handed out to us, because sometimes, mm-hmm. like the past few days, there's just been like, here's something, here's something, here's something. And it's like, yeah, I don't, you're probably not getting enough money for what you're giving us per se, if you were to actually have, you know, done these for commission. So I got in touch with her, said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this with your art. Since it's going to be featuring just your art in this book. I want to pay you something for it. So I, I told her, I said, you know, you give a lot to the community for next to nothing. I'm willing to bet that there's a lot of us on there that are only backing you for like a dollar because it's the <laughs> minimum or whatever, because I know how people are on Patreon. And then I'm sure there's also a lot of people backing her for, for a good and fair amount too. But when you back, if you're on Patreon, you're probably backing multiple Patreons too. So you have to figure out where your money's going and some people get less, you know, so I just said, you know, whatever the actual take is at the end of the Kickstarter, I'll give you a third of that, which nice. is, yeah. So that was, that was, I figured I wanted to give back, but I also wanted to use these creatures. So, you know, we are using these creatures. And then as I was going through looking at the creatures, I started seeing ones that were a little bit more, some things that were more human and some of the ones that weren't more human, but just looking at them going, oh man. Oh, man. And recently, uh, my mind has also been on the, the first product I was published in in the OSR was Petty Gods back when that first came out, right? I had a couple gods in there, a couple magic items, and going, we haven't, we haven't seen or heard about Petty Gods in a while. That should be a thing. Just like when you open a monster manual and you've got sections on demons and devils and celestials, we should have a Petty God section now because they're not really full-on deities and demigods style gods right mm-hmm. they're yeah. they're lesser than that they should have a section and i'm going you know what and that's that's one of the stretch goals is adding sections of petty gods into the thing Ooh. so we're actually close to the first four petty gods right now we blew through kickstarted it's been going for a little bit over a week and a half now we blew through the first 11 stretch goals. To I had low-tier stretch goals that were all just adding a couple extra creatures, a couple extra creatures, right? We added 22, so we're up to a total of 46 creatures. And we're about $150 off of hitting the first Petty God stretch goal, which will add 
four petty gods, I believe, is my first stretch goal in there. And then every $500 for a couple stretch goals is going to add another four. So we, we have a chance of getting 12 in there. If we get to the petty gods, which I'm sure we've got like 20 days to go right now. If we get petty gods and we hit 200 backers, I am going to also drop an appendix in the back detailing just a small tidbit of information on clerics of those petty gods. And each petty god that gets in the book is going to have a spell specific to clerics of that petty god. All right. Um, Sounds cool. Sounds like you got a lot going on. There's a lot of good information. Oh, sorry. And we're, we're at the time of this recording, we're just over $1,500 away from making this our first hardback. Nice. Which my fingers are crossed on that. I'd like to see this one be a hardback because it's going to be, even with the creatures added, it's long enough to make it a sizable hardback. Right now it's going to be longer than any of the OSE little books that comes in, come in the box sets. I think those clock in around 88 pages. This one's currently at about 100 once you factor in the, the OGL at the end and the, the title pages and everything mm-hmm. currently. And with those petty gods, it's going to add quite a bit there. Awesome. And well, after we after we hit that, who knows, right? Right, yeah. I hope it sounds, I mean, it sounds great. I hope everyone backs it and I hope they all enjoy it. I usually talk about, so the reason I really, so in this situation, right, it was art that manifested the text for, for monsters. I think historically in monster manuals, especially the first one, it was probably, they did the text first and then they did the art probably, right? What do you, yep. I mean, this is kind of just like a theoretical discussion. Like what? what do you think is better? Is one better than the other or... Like, is one more powerful? Like, if the art actually manifests the text and you're writing text to follow art, which I've done a ton of times, just like if I find some cool-looking monster on the internet and then I want to put it in my game, now I'm just going to write text to make it fit that picture, right? What, like, do you think there's any, in the original Monster Manual, I don't know how familiar with it, or if you have one that you're more familiar with. First of all, this is even a side note, I feel like, monster manuals in general are kind of blowing up right now mm-hmm. have you have you seen that i mean what makes people shift to monster manuals now and then also like if you have any thoughts on that art manifesting the text or does the text manifest the art as far as monsters and in, in monster manual type books go i mean as, as far as that part goes probably a little bit of both because I and and I don't know in the original monster manual which way it was because some of those are based on the little plastic figures, right? Some of them are based on the plastic figures, and that was art that influenced that, right? Yep. Text, but yep. Who first? I I, I do want to know, and and I'm sure that somebody out there actually knows this, right? Because your question raises this in OD and D. Knolls are not specifically called out to be what we know mm-hmm. knolls to be now, right? Because knoll is a word that was taken from a creature in a Lord Dunsany book that is nothing like what we know knolls to be now. And the yeah. knolls in OD&D are very vague as to what they are. You know, there it does not say they are hyena men or dog men or anything like that, right? And that's interesting. Yeah. Now and we know that they are pig faced so, or why they stopped being pig faced or why are kobolds originally dogs and then became lizards. You know, yeah, I mean, and, and kobold, kobolds are another one because a kobold yeah. is pretty much like a little mountain dwelling gnome, gnome, you know, that lives down in the mines in, in folklore. Right. But, and, and I'm curious 
because those things are vague in OD&D. And then we get to the 1E monster manual and they become something else entirely. When Gygax was writing the monster manual, did he see art concepts for those things first? Or did, you know, yeah. did Trampier or somebody draw a, a hyena man and Gygax just goes, that's a null. That's what a null is now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> these, that's a good question. These, these little scaly dog guys, these are kobolds. And then wrote that in. That's a that's a good question. Yeah, um, I mean, I thought I was fascinated by it when I saw your Kickstarter, and then I started to think about that. I was like, how how does that how did that happen? Do you do you have a favorite monster manual? I'm not saying just D and D. It could be any game. Oh, I I do like I, I see. On the one hand, I, I love a good monster book. On the other hand, I like the ideas that we get in games like DCC, where... There's only one. Yeah. I, I like that idea, too. Mm-hmm. But I, I I grew up also reading bestiaries and, like, the books on monsters and cryptids and crap like that, you know, at the local mm-hmm. library. So I like a good monster book, too. And, and in my own campaigns, I don't typically go just the there's only one DCC way. I usually use standard fantasy creatures. And then the weird is weird because everything is common, but that thing's weird, right? Right. Like hidden hand of the Horla. I've got goat people in there. Goat people aren't necessarily standard tropes for D and D, but goat people are a pretty fa- standard fantasy trope going back to, you know, RuneQuest and then Warhammer. You know, you've got your goat beast. In the folk. UK is what you're saying. In the UK, they're common. Well, yeah, and I so I we're like duck lot, men. But, I like um, well, I've got ducks. Ducks were in my <laughs> Lost Classes book, and they are going to be coming out again when I when I revamp that. I've got ducks in my campaign. Ducks <laughs> and Freints are common races in my campaign. So you know, I, I like beast folk in general. Lost Classes also. I did I did another beast folk class because I did Planet of the Apes chimps in it. And, uh, anyway, uh, talk, talking but, about recent books that are, are just coming out, I don't know if you if you know who Courtney Campbell is or anything like that, but he just came out yep. with a recent book, the Kickstarter. Just I just got my PDF or whatever, and it was basically uh, ecologies created by B. So it's really talking about it was mostly written on G plus with people putting in input when he was asking about ecologies of certain types of creatures or whatever. And it's just like mm-hmm. a compilation of that. But do you, do you prefer your bestiaries was a very good word. Do you prefer your bestiaries with this ecology type of stuff, like back in the Elminster's ecologies and the dragon, or do you prefer <sighs> them just like maybe with some stats and like as little as possible? I, I like it with stats and a little bit of information. I used to really think, back in my second edition days because they had that ecology section and everything in the second edition monster manual they had like the full page of information and it was small type that told you all kinds of stuff because it gave you habitats and societies and mm-hmm. ecologies and they were short and i liked that and thought that was the way to go at the time more than the 1e monster manual but i've since reverted a little bit because i'd rather have creative control in my campaign right mm. Ideally, which you always have you don't have to use that but it's it's true it's but, creating you know. something for people to have expectations and then they're going to do those expectations in your game probably which could be different and then you have to explain why it's different i get it but go ahead i feel like I interrupted you so um but yeah the, the way that it's laid out in osc is pretty good i kind of use that format slightly more robust when i did Octorfest with the the horror movie themed monsters that were in that because i've got the blob and triffids 
and the Plague Zombies, which the Plague Zombies were actually in Solar Sanctuary of the Cannibal Corpse before that, but they made sense to have, you know, George Romero, Plague Zombies, right? It's a mm-hmm. Halloween book. Um, but yeah, so I followed that and added a little bit more meat to those in that book. This book, Creature Collection, is going to be a little different, which you can see in the sample spread for the one monster that I've been sharing around and have on the Kickstarter page, because these are all new things that you've never seen anywhere, right? Like, if you want to know more about Triffids, you can go watch the movie. The movie's probably streaming free. It's the cheesy old piece of, you know, sci-fi schlock, right? You can go watch the original Blob movie or the 80s Blob movie or whatever to get more information about the Blob if you want. These are all new you know, they are not standard D&D creatures that everybody already knows. They are not creatures that you can go watch a movie about because I'm making these uh, these all up based on the art that I'm seeing in Creature Collection, right? So mm-hmm. in this, you're getting a two-page spread. The first page is strictly the name and a full-blown, full-page of Evelyn illustration of whatever the creature was, right? Because a part of this is also highlighting her art, you right. know? So... And then the second page for each creature, you're going to get a standard OSE stat block, you know, with the stat block. The short description you would get in, you know, in their variation of the stat block and all the special abilities and whatnot, like it was in a normal OSE monster book, right? But then I'm also dropping a few paragraphs of information in there about the creature, you know, be it ecology-based, or there's not going to be a standard format for it. It's just going to be whatever makes sense to this creature. You know, an undead sword-wielding beast being, like, the sample page is going to be different than, you know, say, a chimeric, you know, creature that lives in the mountains someplace. You're going to get different information. But I'm trying to give some information about what I was inspired to create this thing, you know. Yeah. Because you've never seen this one before. This isn't, like... I know what a rust monster is. I've been playing D and D for 40 years. You know, yeah. it's, I know what an owl there is. It's no, this is something new. I'm going to give you some information and you can ignore that or use it as you see fit. Right. But you're getting what I was inspired to create from the art. Awesome. So, it sounds which, like a great product. I'm going to have to go back and I haven't backed it yet, but I'm a, I'm a late backer. Uh, are you one why. of the 267 people that's, uh, that's following it? No, I have. Yeah. yeah I looked at my dashboard because you do a Kickstarter, you can see the people that are following it to back later to get a reminder, right? I have 267 that are watching it. It's almost double the amount of people that have backed. If they all back it, if they all backed it in digital, we would get a hardcover out of this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that common in your Kickstarters? That yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And usually it seems to be about half-ish of that number end up converting by the end of it for for the Kickstarters I've done. Okay, However, well, that's this, decent. So far, this is the most successful Kickstarter that I've done, and I think there's a few reasons for that. Usually, I cap out in the two thousands to two to three thousand dollar range with around one hundred and thirty ish backers. Right? A part of that is because usually I run these things. You know, half of them that I've run, I ran for Zine Quest. Right. And even during the first Zine Quest, there was so much going on. Oh yeah people dropped it or cut back to just getting a digital form Mm -hmm. uh, because they had so much more last year for zine quest three it was my lowest kickstarter flat out because so many people went to just digital or canceled because they were backing so much stuff that this year i said i'm not i'm not doing zine it it didn't even become zine quest and ended up being you know the community driven zine month 
and I, yep. I spent way too much money during that, but, uh, <laughs> but I didn't take part because I said, you know, I don't want to, I know what happened the last time. I'll wait a few months and oh, I'll I think wait that's smart. and I'll wait for the OSE Kickstarter for the, for the new box sets to be done too and start hitting people then. And right. that I think is a part of the reason the fact that Evelyn has her own following of people that are going yeah. to back because they know she's getting something out of it. That has a factor. And I, I think also the the level of popularity that, you know, OSC has gotten to from the first Kickstarter I ran for OSC to now is is exponential. You know, yeah. we went from, you know, maybe there were a thousand-ish people then to, you know, like I said, the OSC community, the OSC group on Facebook has over 5,000 members now. So the, the amount of people following it are is far greater than what it was. Which is, so. which is double the amount of people that I actually thought existed in the OSR. So I think everything that's, is, there's more of the, of all of it, right? So that's cool. There's, I, I think that I've recently listened, I've been catching back up on your show. I listened to an episode with Tim Shorts on the other day on the way to work. And I, I think you had said during that at some point, you know, that, that you don't believe that what some of the some of the Grognard naysayers that, you know, five E and the new games are never going to attract people over here. I I have seen exactly the opposite of that. That people oh, yeah. come in as For a sure. gateway through the newer games and and then get and then they get it and then they start looking and they go, Oh, there's a whole nother world about games. It's not unlike when I was younger and I started playing D and D and then said, Oh, this company just put out D6 Star Wars. This What's company Warhammer? did this. What's, What's Warhammer? Yeah. What's RuneQuest? What's Call of Cthulhu? You know? Yeah, it's, it's a gateway, and I don't see anything wrong with that. And all the people that tried to stop that to begin, I think that they've been proven wrong by this point. Yeah. Uh, for sure. All yep. right, man. So what do you think? This is a segment where I always ask, well, not always, but it's a newer segment, I guess. Legacy or epitaph in the old school realm? So you can choose what your legacy is or like what would you want to, your epitaph to be? Oh, man. That's that, that's <laughs> deep. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. So my legacy, I don't know. You can only choose one or the other. You don't have to do both. I I don't I don't know what I would want my epitaph to be. Um, <laughs> it'd probably be something about how this dude brought you know Halloween to D and D or some shit. But All right. that, that's cool. Uh, but the no more legacy. I. I don't even know on that either because I've been involved in so much over the past 10 years with, with the OSR from when I was gamers and grognards and running Swords and Wizardry Appreciation Day to you know, everything that I'm doing now. I really don't know. All right. Um, well, that's cool. It's I mean, this is a going, surprise. This was on is, here before. <laughs> my, my legacy is probably, you know, he's that guy that did the damn module that there's 20 billion different versions of out there with the goats on the cover but you know i don't know if you're the only person maybe when you add the goats part but there's some other yeah. people that seem to like to do a bunch of them all yeah. right cool so give me a little time here to uh thank my patrons i always give a shout out to three i picked like uh three of the most recent ones william walters robbie mack and barry Furcus. thanks so much for being a patron of hobbs and friends or the gamerhood, whatever it is I do now, I guess. If you want to become a patron, head over to patreon.com forward slash OSRN Hobbs. If you want to find me, I have a Facebook page. It's called Hobbs and Friends. I'm on the Twitters at OSRN Hobbs or my personal at Hobbs Indeed. Do you, you want to, you can put uh, anything you want in the show notes and then I'll post that out to the patrons and like you're on Twitter, right? Yep. 
I'm almost yep. positive I've seen you on there. You want to go ahead and say what your Twitter handle is? or uh, How would people get a hold of you if they wanted to talk to you about your Appendix N? Okay, so if people really want to get a hold of me, you go to www.appendixnentertainment.com. On appendixnentertainment.com, you have an option to contact me directly through an email that will email me directly there. You have the option to follow me on Facebook. You have the option to follow me on Twitter. It's all right there. Nice, easy click links. Um, and you have the option to follow what basically uh, our newsletter, which is essentially the blog that runs on the front of the website. And it'll update you through your email every time that we put something new up there. And while you're there, you can click in. We've got our store link directly there and take a look at what we've got out there now. Awesome, man. I'll take this one last thing to talk about this. Todd LeBac sent me this. It's a Third Kingdom Games. It's the Basilisk Kills Compiled Hexes. He's got another uh, Kickstarter going. If you don't know how to do your own hex crawls, you might want to check out Todd LeBac's stuff. So, it's, it's really great stuff, and Todd's a really good dude. Super nice guy, and I think he's got a lot of stuff in a lot of different things that you can check out. So I wanted to definitely give him a shout out any fa- any uh, last words for the podcast before we go yeah go go over check out the kickstarter i hope that more people back it if you are new to our products i have a deep disc discount tier up there where you can get everything that we put out to date in pdf for super cheap compared to if you bought them all individually and i've got a fit a physical reward tier where you get everything that we put out in PDF and everything that is currently run in print because we have a couple titles that are not in print anymore and I don't plan to bring back to print but you get everything for that we put out including the new one for I think 60 bucks and that's a that's a fairly deep discount on everything so all right you guys heard it here first go check it out other than that stay alive You got a job to do. It's better to burn out than to fade away. And we'll let TJ see us off. It's a beautiful day in the gamerhood. A beautiful day for my gamers. Would you be one? Could you be one? It's out of that thunder, but don't despair. This holiday's breeding great robbers. Would you be one? Could you be one? If the native is immortality rate works for you For a few bucks a month you can sign up and have the hogs kill you So let's make the most of another someday Brew up some coffee and play it my way Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my gamers? Won't you be? Won't you please? Please won't you be my gamers? The views, information, or opinions expressed by those interviewed during the Hobbs and Friends podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Hobbs and Friends and its staff. Hobbs and Friends is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in the podcast series, available for listening on any platform of delivery. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform its listeners about the tabletop gaming industry. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into or placed in association with or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the express approval and knowledge of the Hobbs and Friends podcast creator is forbidden. You may not edit modify or redistribute this podcast. The developers of the Hobbs and Friends podcast site assume no liability for any activities in the connection with this podcast or for the use of this podcast in connection with any other website, computer, or playing device.